mai, haere mai, ki tēnei hōtaka, welcome to the panel on RNZ National. I'm Wallace Chapman. Just a bit of traffic here uh, first. Due to a washout, State Highway 25A is closed between Kirikiri Valley Road, Kōpū and Pukatui Road, Hikawai. The closure is expected to remain in place overnight. So, detour uh, vibe via State Highway 25. Now today, New Zealanders are taking advantage of record high salaries and job applications are soaring that after four. And a large new alliance is calling on all political parties to promise action on housing within six months of being elected. That's today. Also, millions of microplastics wash up on Waihi Beach. Next time you're at a beach, take a look at the sand as I did at an inner city Auckland Beach. Uh, microplastic balls, they are everywhere. The panel checks in with a barber who's helping out the homeless by cutting their hair. And there's been a bit of discussion whether our capital, Wellington, is fit for the future. One Wellingtonian makes the case why we shouldn't move it to Hamilton. And have you ever done an evening class that has had a big impact on you? Even a career change. Ceramics, cooking, dried flower arranging. I would really, really like to hear from you if an afternoon or sorry, an evening course changed your life. Text me two one zero one email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Our Manaheri today, Professor Ella Henry, Director of Māori Advancement at AUT Business School, Dr. Henry Kyora. Hi, Kyora. Kyora. Good to have you here. Thank you. Also Chris Finlayson, the former Cabinet Minister and Attorney General. Chris, welcome to the programme. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Chris. Nice to have you here. Now, first, a TikTok user preparing her taxes, a person pouring a canned drink into a beautiful glass, someone telling you how to squeegee a shower in the right way or how to load a dishwasher. Believe it or not, this is the sort of content that people are lapping up. It's been dubbed the boring content revolution, profiled recently by Lauren Ironmonger and stuff. So I thought, well, we'd get someone on to try and explain what on earth the appeal would be. Professor Crystal Aberdeen is an expert in influencer and social media cultures at Curtin University, Perth. Professor Aberdeen, welcome. Thanks for having me, Wallace. Hello from Perth in Western Australia. <laughs> yes, nice to have you here. Now, so what have you got? You've got Kaylee, for example, preparing her taxes. It goes viral, 4.2 million views and counting. It sounds insufferable, but people are enjoying it. What's behind this? Well, there are two dimensions here. If we were to keep in mind that we are in quite the late stage of the internet now, having it first arrived in the 90s, We've also lived through the 2000s and the 2010s where sensational contents, picture-perfect contents were taking up our internet spaces and our attention. And as you can imagine, there's just so much saturation fatigue. We're getting bored with picture-perfect and the sensational. So the return to the mundane, to the boring, is merely a cycle in attention pace. um, And it's what's attracting us now. But of oh, course, there's also the TikTok angle, can... isn't it? TikTok is a space where we oh, enjoy right. everyday content like that. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, being bored of the picture perfect and turning the most mundane chores into a 
thing of beauty. I, I also have another view because I know a number of older folk who spend quite a lot of time now that they've kind of negotiated their way. Oh. And, and I think it's a bit of an, an indictment that our societies have become so big and impersonal and busy that sometimes people find comfort in the simplicity of having an interaction with somebody online that's safe. You don't have to worry about them coming to your house or seeing you haven't done the dishes. You can have a relationship with them by, you know, responding. And it's a sort of ersatz friendship (laughs) in a society that is in many ways far too busy for some of our folk to have those relationships. Is there something there, Crystal? Well, I think we have to remember we have lived through or are still living through a pandemic where people are forced into mass self-isolation in homes. So turning to the internet for even fake communication, like seeing someone and being co-present with them, cooking with them, eating with them even, all of these become luxuries that only the internet can afford us in the age of the pandemic. Yeah, I'm not quite sure, Chris, uh, how I'd go watching a video about preparing taxes or um, refilling ice trays, but how to iron a shirt, there's one I'd like. I can never get the creases right. I'd like to watch that. Chris, how about you? Oh, well, you could perhaps uh, watch me ironing shirts because I do a beautiful job with shirts, so um, we should try out sometime. I just can't get over how people would enjoy this mundane nonsense. But, um, look, I'm old and crabby, so um, (laughs) uh, I simply accept that if you want interaction with people, it should normally be a normal physical one. Um, I just can't understand why anyone would derive any pleasure from this. Crystal? Well, more longitudinal pre-pandemic, I think migrants, diaspora, people often had to move around, or even people who are a bit more immobile, who've got disabilities and can't travel much, they have long turned to the internet for these sorts of comforts. I remember when I used to travel the world for work and for research, I would often have my partner just turn on Skype so I could look at my living room because I missed my house. So I guess what we're seeing now is this practice in a very major scale, given that it's become normalized to bring the public into our homes with the pandemic as the backdrop. Yeah, and there's something quite comforting. I mean, even the simplest of tasks take on a new dimension, refilling ice trays, as I said, that's another one. What's the significance here that in the end, uh, Crystal, what, we're all just human, that no matter who we are, these daily chores, they need to get done, they're part of us, and we do on one level find them quite interesting. That is one level of comfort, but I think on the other hand, we need to remember some of the drawbacks. A lot of these videos are also increasing expectations, barometers, and benchmarks for what qualifies as a good standard of living. And it's really just driving capitalism when we expect everything in the house to be matching, aesthetic, beautiful. It's also a lot of feminized labor keeping a household up like that. And we forget that people who produce these contents have the opportunity or the ability to be at home to make these contents to begin with. Something on that, Ella? I I think so, but I I mean, we also need to be aware of the fact that I think there's a growing population of lonely humans, Mm. and find, and we all, I believe, genuinely across 
every culture and history want connection. And if you are alone, if you've lost connection with your family, particularly during the pandemic, and your only connection with other humans is watching them do the mundane and the simple, then then that is the only form of communication connection they get. And I think that's a bit of an indictment of our society. And can you, like Chris can't really understand this, uh, uh, Ella, but can you relate to some of these simple tasks just taking off on social media? Yourself, Ella? Oh, oh, you, yeah. I, I mean, sure. You know, look, I, 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 I love watching uh, cooking shows. And so I'm a big fan of lots of things that give me tips about cooking and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, I'm not sure that watching somebody else filling out a tax return in another country <laughs> would quite ring my bell. But who knows? Four million views and rising. Professor Aberdeen, thank you for your time here in New Zealand. Thanks for having me. Meanwhile, quite a few uh, bits of advice coming in about how to iron a shirt. Uh, the best, <laughs> the best wrinkle-free trick, Wallace, is hang the dry shirt in the evening air outside for a little while, then press all wrinkles disappear. Now that sounds too good to be true, Chris. No, I think that's very sound advice, and I must uh, look up a video of it on the internet so that I can perhaps learn from it. But I really, uh, look, I'll be very happy to, uh, when we next meet, I'll bring a whole lot of my shirts with me and I'll show you how to get <laughs> You know what, Chris, you're on. When you come to Auckland, um, why don't you? And we'll film it. We'll film it for TikTok. You bring three shirts and I'll sort out an ironing board and iron and you will give me a personal demonstration of how to iron a shirt, specifically the sleeves and the collar, have real issues. I, I feel a T-shirt coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Very good indeed. Uh, and also, too, um, by the way, um, uh, keep those uh, uh, emails and tips coming on uh, the night class that changed your life or really had an impact on you, be, be it ceramics or indeed cooking, what have you. Text me, 2101. All right, uh, time for I've been thinking Ella Henry. Okay, so today I spent the day with a group of my colleagues. We're writing a paper on some research we've been doing around Māori and Indigenous networking and a phenomenon that we encountered in our research here and around the world of what we're calling spiritual capital, which actually flows on from what we were just talking about, you know, connection, the yearning that we have for connection. And what Indigenous people do frequently is use the gatherings that we attend to enhance our our sense of wairua, we would say, in New Zealand and in the Māori world, but it's really about spiritual um, enhancement and, and when we are able to come together and build our spiritual well-being and strength, then that has a flow-on effect to our communities and our general well-being. So I've had a really lovely day today thinking about and planning, um, publishing some research. Oh, that, that sounds very interesting. And would that, that, would that spirit of that wairua, would that be uh, in part to still drive the bottom line, or would, that be, or would that be an add-on? What we're finding is that there are organisations, and I think we're talking about one today, yeah. that acknowledge that profit is important, but so too is doing something positive and affirmative for your own well-being, not just the well-being of the people that you are helping, because generosity is really some, a benefit to both parties, those who give and those who receive, and that's a part of that whole notion of spiritual capital. I suppose there's another... You could also frame it as... Well, goodwill 
Absolutely. Kindness, yeah. generosity, these are things that uplift the spirit regardless of your religious affiliation. Um, we all seek connection, we all seek goodness, and we all have the mm. potential to give that to each other. Yeah, and as you say, Ella, we are talking about a particular business who does just that. It's quite uh, a story, so that's toward the end of the panel. All right, uh, Chris Finlayson, I've been thinking. Well, I haven't been thinking anything as grand as Ella, but I have been thinking about uh, bunkers on golf courses. A friend of mine played Wairaki today, and he complained to me that there are 190 bunkers on that golf course, which I think is perverted. And I've long wanted to own a concrete truck so I could sneak out onto the Heritonga Golf Club and fill in a few bunkers, because getting out of them is the hardest part of golf. And I've had 10 games this year, and about six of them have been wrecked because of bunkers. So, Ella, you think you're great spiritual thoughts, and I'm going to come. <laughs> can, can I just say you should, bunkers you should play an inhumane institution. You should play golf at the Ahipara Golf Course because it is one giant bunker on the beach. There is know, little uh, patches uh, of grass. <laughs> well, I could cope with um, uh, I don't mind playing um, on golf courses where you can sort of get the eight iron and, and bash the damn ball out of the bunker, but I cannot use the 56. It's just a very hard golf club. To, now, uh, to no, 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 Chris, for the uninitiated... What do you mean when you refer to a bunker in golf? A bunker is uh, uh, a uh, hole filled up with soft sand and you're supposed to hit the sand rather than the ball and follow through so that the ball comes whizzing out and lands on the green. Uh. But I either hit it too hard so it goes into the rough or into another bunker. I have been known to go bunker, bunker, bunker on the 16th at Heratonga, uh, or I don't get it out. And it is quite a despairing experience. So um, that is my New Year's resolution to try and cope with bunkers. Golfers, if you're listening to this, what's the solution to Chris's issue uh, of the bunker problem? Are there too many bunkers uh, on our golfing greens? Are we uh, oversubscribing the game? I'd love to hear from you. Text me 2101. Chris Finlayson and Ella Henry with me this afternoon on the panel here on RNZ National.